I'm not anti-commission. It just comes down to why only look at one, one small degree of what someone does and say that's their entirety. You know, let's look at the overall person, not only what they do with their skills, but also the other great attributes that they can bring to the business. My name is Wafea Abdallah, owner of Curly Oasis Inc., a curl-centric salon and education platform in Rockville, Maryland. Since opening the salon in 2005, we've seen how teaching people to care for their curls is a step into a much deeper journey of self-acceptance and empowerment. This show explores some of those different journeys and the lessons that we've learned along the way in hair care and in life. This is The Curl Code. Today, we're with Michael Yost, who is president of Strategies Salon, Spa, and Med Spa Business Consulting Company. Michael and I met about 10 years ago at a business conference in Chicago, I believe. And he has been one of my mentors and a wonderful business educator. So we booked an onsite for the team with the company. And our coach actually ended up getting injured and we were lucky enough to get Michael as her replacement. And here he is sitting down with us for today's podcast. Michael, welcome to The Curl Code. Well, thank you. So today you did an onsite with the team. It was day one of uh, Curly Oasis team onsite. And I know we talked about a lot of things. And uh, you were saying you were getting an education about the curl business. Yes. As we were going along, would you like to share some of that? You know, I was a hairdresser uh, for 25 years, uh, business owner for 16 of those years, but in more of what you would just call a traditional, I guess you could say, salon environment. And, you know, it was the type of thing where we certainly, you know, natural texture and things like that was not you know, was not in our, in our wheelhouse. Um, so, you know, it was very interesting today to kind of talk a bit more about <clears throat> how people perceive their curls. Like what really fascinated me was when we were talking about the consultation, right? And so we were talking about, well, what questions do you ask in a consultation? You know, what's it, what looks different than what I would say a consultation I would maybe normally be familiar with, but also what questions need to get asked to be able to get the information that you need. Um, you know, and I think that's what was really fascinating to me was just hearing about, you know, I asked the questions around like, well, what percentage of people do you think are comfortable with their natural texture? And, and, you know, what percentage of people do you think manipulate in some way their, their natural texture uh, away from it? So all that was really fascinating because it's not a perspective I ever had. Yes. And also our services, right? Like a big part of it is what we call, you know, the curl awakening, which is the lesson part, right? right? How do you, you know, cleanse your hair? How do you condition it? How do you style it? How do you live with it? Is that kind of a, a new concept as well? I mean, I'm definitely going to answer that with a yes. Um, from the standpoint of, you know, I would say I myself always realized there was a different routine but at the same time, was never really familiar with what that routine really looked like. On my end, it was fascinating to kind of hear what goes into that lesson, like you talked about, the curl awakening, uh, and and what those steps really look like and how involved that process is to get someone that has natural texture 
to understand how to properly work with it, understand how to properly maintain it. Um, and also the biggest thing, one of the biggest things we talked about is also then understand how to really get comfortable with their natural texture as well. Yeah, that is, that is a big one because you said it, you owned a salon for a number of years and it wasn't even part of the conversation. No. So while, you know, this really kicked off and right around 2000, 2001 with Curly Girl, a handbook written by Lorraine Massey and Michelle Bender. And Lorraine, a hairdresser trying to figure out her own curls, really paved the road for the rest of us. And it didn't gain momentum for a long time. I mean, when we first started in 2007, you know, we were still swimming against the tide. And here we are, gosh, 16 years later. And it's still a subject of conversation that doesn't go as smoothly as we want. And, you know, we hear a lot about, well, it's not professional or, well, I only, I only straighten it for special occasions. Well, I think it's interesting what you bring up because in our area where I'm, where I'm had my business and and where I was from is I think you're exactly right. It was probably about the time that I sold my business that natural texture became, finally became something that started to get at least a little bit on the radar. Um, you know, wearing your hair with natural texture and things like that became more and more accepted. Uh, but it, like you said, I mean, that, and that for me would have been like 2016. And so really, I think it's, you look at the last couple, you know, I'd say the last probably for me, at least I probably would look back and say the last, you know, five to seven years has probably been the greatest strides forward in terms of natural and uh and embracing that and i think that that's that's awesome um but yeah it's it i think for whatever reason the the things that have kind of held it back have been in place and i guess it just comes down to the fact that you know it's hard to break old habits maybe or i don't know if that's oversimplifying but no i think you're right i think change is hard really ultimately it's about change right and it's really interesting because it is the only constant yet the human beings struggle with that right so let's talk about your curls so i was asking you earlier how was it growing up with curly hair and was it in pennsylvania that you're from right right it was you know i mean growing up with curly hair you know what was interesting is with my curls it depends on they're completely dependent on kind of my length so when I have a bit of length, they, they pop out when my hair is shorter, um, they, you, you don't notice them nearly as much. Uh, so really I was, the nice thing is I was quite versatile and what was kind of fun was growing up when I did in the eighties, best decade ever, <laughs> um, growing up in the eighties, it was all the rage at, at one point to have kind of that mullet look with the permed back, Ooh. right? If you like, come on, oh. think back with me, you know what I'm talking I know, about. I know. <laughs> so the nice thing is I just had all that naturally. So <laughs> it just really worked out to my advantage. Lucky you, <laughs> lucky you. So now you told me that your son, one of your sons has straight hair. We're not sure where he came from because no, both you and your wife are curlies. Right. And your other son is curly. Did he have yeah. the same kind of curl configuration that you had that if he cuts it short, it's straight? Um, no, I, I would be, it would be interesting. Honestly, it's been long enough that I don't know that um, since he's had shorter hair, 
So he's, you know, in his early 20s now, and he started growing his hair with some length. And as soon as he's got any kind of length, it was it was curly. So I would have to say, honestly, his curl is probably much stronger than mine. Um, that would probably almost at almost any length would have a, you know, a curl pattern to it. And so how was it for him? Did he struggle with frizz? Has he always been doing well with his hair? What's his hair journey been like? (laughs) Well, my natural answer is going to be the fact that he definitely struggled with the frizz. I don't know that he cared. Um, Mm -hmm. You know, again, being at this point, he's 22 years old and uh, being the fact that through like high school and things like that, I don't think he was overly concerned about the fact that his hair had some frizz to it and some fly away and the whole deal just was like what it was. So let's put it this way. He did struggle with it. It didn't impact him or he didn't care about it. So I'll give him a marks for good, you know, a good self uh, image. Nice, nice. (laughs) So being a curly man, you know, you wore your hair short for a long time. I've known you a while now. And this kind of longer curly hair is is on the new side. Right. Um, are you having any kind of pushback from family, from your spouse, from is anyone saying, oh, I don't know, is that doesn't look as professional or as neat? What's funny is um, a little bit of yes and a little bit of no. So overall, I'm loving it. I'm loving having the texture and I'm loving doing it because it gets lots of, you know, I get lots of uh, compliments, which I love. Now, my wife is a little bit like, again, it goes back to the change, right? It's now been, it's only probably been about the last six, seven months that I've got enough length and starting to wear it with curl and things like that. So for 25 years, I had my hair short enough that you get used to a certain thing, right? And so even my own wife is a little bit like slowly adapting to the change, but now I think she's finally starting to embrace it, which is great. But, you know, it's, you know, it can be some moments I wake up and I say to myself, am I president of the company or do I just look like a homeless person? Because my hair is just everywhere in the morning now. It's just like crazy. So, uh, but yeah, it's, it's fun. I'm enjoying it. Well, I want to make sure we give credit where credit is due because Neil Dukoff, the founder of the company is also a curly guy. So right. I just wanted to, right. to put that out there. Have you, are you familiar with the crown act? I'm not. So it's, you know, in many, uh, organizations, it would be put in usually women's contract that they had to wear their hair a certain way. And in the news business is really where it's very prevalent. And so now there is uh, legal action and it's hitting state by state. It isn't in every state yet where they're making it illegal for for that to be mentioned in contracts for a workplace. So can you believe that? You know, that is kind of, you know, it's that is kind of crazy, I guess, because, you know, you think about the things that you know, like we really need to have, I, I just, yeah, that kind of thing doesn't add up to me. Um, I don't, I don't get it. So it's hard for me to get my head around. Uh, the fact that, I mean, I guess I should say this, I guess I, when you say that, I guess I'm like, I guess I shouldn't be surprised that those things were, were in there. Uh, but at the same time, I, I just don't, I don't understand it. Yeah. I agree with you. I mean, it's a genetic part of what makes right. us, how do you, tell someone genetically you need to look different right
So we're gonna switch gears for real quick and we're gonna go to being part of this team-based organization and talking about, you know, swimming against the tide, right? Because traditionally our industry is commission-based. It then went to this booth rental model. And, you know, y'all are teaching the total opposite of that. You're teaching really a co-elevating business model. You're teaching that collaboration is the way and together we can go much farther. And how is it being president of this company? And, you know, what do you run into speaking to salons, spas, med spas about this team-based concept? Well, I think that, you know, like anything, you know, we just said it, we'll go back to the idea of something different or change is always scary. Um, you know, as, as we know, uh, and I'm not the one that, that, uh, that did the research on this or anything like that, but again, first, uh, the first emotion around change is fear. Um, so you always have that doesn't matter what your change is. It always is met first with fear. And so I think it's a matter of when you first start to say this is different, um, you know, the, what we talk about, but at the same time, you know, I love being the president of this company and I love what we talk about because really at the core, what we really talk about is the idea from a pay standpoint is we talk about hourly pay on its surface. That is not at all a foreign concept. It's only foreign. The only place it's foreign is in our industry. Every other industry, it's the norm. And so I always, I often say, we're the odd ones. Our industry is the odd ones. Now, where we put in team-based is simply this, is why do we call it team-based pay, not just hourly pay? Well, we talk about team-based because what we believe is we can achieve more together than we can on our own. And so while everyone certainly still has, you know, their own hourly rates and how they earn, we we grow together from the standpoint of if all of us, again, many hands make for light lifting, right? And so if we're all rowing a boat the same direction, we get there a whole lot faster. So the team idea of team is just all about the fact we can achieve our goals, which give us the growth faster than we can individually. And, you know, the last thing I like to say about it is this is, you know, it's strategy. Sometimes we get, I think, honestly, I think we get kind of a bad rap that, oh, well, you guys are anti-commission or you're anti-booth rental or things like that. And the simple fact is that nothing could be further from the truth. What I'm anti is and what we are anti is pay structures that only reward one thing, and that is how much a person can produce. With hourly, you're able to reward the overall person for who they are. Some of that could be based upon the fact, yes, what they produce. Other factors that could come in, you know, we can look at how they participate in other things around the business, such as maybe education, how they help out others as a team member. Um, you know, if you have people that help you out with social media, things like that. All the factors that make up an overall person, their likes, their hobbies, their enjoyments, they can bring that to your organization and help your organization thrive. And we're all about let's reward people for their overall performance and behavior, not just one portion of that. Yeah. You know, when I went to Incubator, which is the intro course to this team-based business model, I was a stylist here. I wasn't even an ownership. 
I just uh, kept getting these things in the mail. Remember when we would get oh, things yeah. in the mail? That's how I found it too. <laughs> Darn mail. Me too, right? <laughs> and they were coming to the D.C. area. And back then we did get retail commission. And uh, I would put mine aside. I never spent it or took it in my paycheck. I said, put it aside. I want it as my education fund. And so when they came, I had the money to go. And usually it's two people who would go. But I went by myself. And I remember the first three days, it's like positive culture. And I thought, yeah, we could use some of that because we have so, so much toxicity in, in, the, in the culture of uh, hair salons. The, the ugly side of the beauty business, as we like to right. say. And, um, and then, you know, and pitching in and not only doing hair, but, you know, being rewarded for doing other things. And naturally, I was a leader and I love to teach. And I would do that anyway. Uh, not always, you know, to people's liking because the culture wasn't supportive of that. But I didn't care if I wasn't getting paid. I mean, I just loved it. But when they said that, I thought, oh, oh. And the whole time, the first three days, I said, OK, everything, yes. But whatever the pay thing is, no. Right. right. Once they laid it out, I said, oh, oh, I could make this actually a little more than I'm making now. Right. And then it's not about killing myself behind the chair. I can actually then, if I, you know, helping and ordering supplies is my thing, which I kind of already was helping with, then I get paid for that time. Right. And I could see how suddenly it's not rewarding toxic, egotistical behavior. Because let's face it, stylists back in the day, I do feel like there are things that are shifting now. The busier they were, the bigger the following, the greater the ego. And the bigger the ego, the harder they were for the rest of the team to work with. And so when it was laid out, I thought that solved so many problems. I do feel since, you know, that was in 2004, and now here we are almost 20 years later, that the pay thing is almost not such an important part of the conversation. And you see that with the young people graduating from school now. And so are you sensing that same shift? Yeah, we are. Um, we still get plenty of calls that are directly pay related, but in relation to um, what it used to be, it's definitely, we have a lot more, there's, there's a ton more inquiries around strategies that have way more to do with culture and leadership and growth and, you know, the, the key things that the key systems that drive that a lot more that has to do with is exactly something we continue to, and will continue to even grow and speak to even more, a lot more of, as we've talked <clears throat> a lot more of the heart side of the business. Uh, you got to have the smart side, got to know your stuff, got to know your information, right? Got to have the smarts, but you also got to have the heart talking a lot more about that. But what we see is people that attend that, um, you know, I'd say now, it's a 50-50 split on those that are there because they want to learn about the pay structure. They want to hear more about all the other stuff uh, that goes into the overall business model as much as. Because, again, they I think people are realizing that pay is not the end-all, be-all of everything. It's a necessary piece. Don't get me wrong. I'm not saying pay doesn't matter. Pay matters. Pay is a reward and a thank you for the hard work that you put in. And, you know, it's... I think it's getting the right part of addressing it where 
you know, that is becoming something that I think is getting more the right place and the right attitude. And I have to say, I believe I'll say it this way. Cause I have, again, I have two sons, uh, 22 year old and a 20 year old. Um, do they care about money? Yes. But in a very different way than I did at 20 oh, and yeah. 22 years old. Oh yeah. Um, very as different. a matter of fact, my, my older son is way more about, you know, his, his, goals for money and desire for money and things like that are, and he's not in our industry. He's in a completely different area, the whole deal. He could, he doesn't, that's not what drives him. That's not what gives him satisfaction. He doesn't measure his worth through it. And he never has. And, uh, even my younger son who probably puts a little higher value on the money end of things at the same time, still has a very different outlook on money, uh, than certainly I did. And I think that, you know, in a sense, you know, I'll, I don't want to overly paraphrase, but my generation did compared to his generation. Yeah, I think about that a lot. You know, we grew up with parents drilling in us. You do this in order to do that, in order to make money. Right. And have a family. That's what you do. Yep. Now, we became parents and did it differently. Right. We're like, no, you don't want to do that. We're not going to, we're not going to bullshit you and tell you to do this. We're going to say, love life, enjoy, right. do what brings you joy. Traditionally, the, uh, you know, careers that parents wanted us, especially being from immigrant parents, doctor, lawyer, engineer, that's what you get, right? If you're really slumming it, maybe you want to go into pharmaceutical right. <laughs> industry. Right. <laughs> right. But I remember my dad even saying, whatever you do, do not study psychology. And it's funny because I got to tell him years later, I said, Dad, I should have studied psychology when therapist was, you know, the thing to do. Uh, so I think that we gave our kids a different message. And here and of course, through the pandemic, things have shifted so much for yeah. so many anyway. Even people our age right. are, you know, we're on our 50s um, are saying, you know what? I don't want to live that way either. I, I want to have more joy and purpose in my life right. as well. And you started to say, you know, we're not opposed to commission or booth rental, but what I, the drum I do here is we are dedicated to ethical business. Right. We're dedicated to a, a harmonious business where people are valued, where you know, Neil likes to say with every pair of hands, you get a free brain. And so each team member has contributions yes. that they can make, and then they get compensated well for that. This is, I think, something that, and I'll, I guess it's a, a question also, um, even though I know the answer, but I'll have you speak on it. Uh, you know, when salons and spas and med spas do come to you, is it when they're making a lot of money or is it, I mean, they don't, apparently they don't even teach uh, reading uh, financial reports in medical school either. That was a shock to me when we were sitting in class next to doctors and they're just as financially illiterate about business. You know, we want businesses that honor the entire person and, you know, that value piece. And I think that's really, really important from us and what we advocate, you know, at strategies. And you're exactly right. It's, you know, when you think about the fact that as a business owner, 
you have to know the key metrics of your business and you have to know the key reports that you need for your business to run a healthy business. And so, you know, as you mentioned, the fact we run into a lot of, you know, you, you ask the question like, you know, who comes to us and when they come to us, uh, the, the, the truth of the matter is, as you already know, the answer to this is, uh, probably I'd say 80 to 85% of the people that inquire and, and come to us, come to us when they're uh, closer to their, uh, the end and they're like, I need help and they're in desperation mode, uh, than they do, uh, when it's like, oh yeah, you know, I'm just starting this out. I want to start it out the right way or, um, or I'm in a good place and I want to be, I want to take good and I want to make it great. Right. Um, or how do I take what I have and keep elevating it and more of the positive. So, you know, you hit it right on the head where it's like, yeah, I mean, Hey, that's, that's all right. No, the cool thing is I was that person, you know, much like yourself, I attended incubator, uh, because I, I needed it for my business. All I knew was when I attended incubator, here's what I knew about my company, uh, as a business owner, all I knew was my uh, sales were growing, but my checkbook was shrinking. And I had no idea how that could even happen. Now, again, I say that and I'm like, you really, you were that naive. And the fact is I was that naive. Like, why would, why would I be, why would my checkbook and I feel like I'm running out of money, even though we're doing more in sales. And it became very evident very quickly why that was happening. And I started to have to learn the key, you know, the key uh, critical numbers in my business. I had to learn, you know, again, proper way to read the financial statements. I, at the time when I went, I didn't even know what that was. <laughs> and uh, I had to build Me a cash <laughs> plan for my company. And you know what? It, it turned my business, it saved my business. And it saved my business to the point where I was like, our industry needs to know this. And that's why I got involved with strategies because I was like, this is no nonsense. This isn't smoke and mirrors. This is just good, basic business education that our industry needs to have because no one is talking about it and no one is teaching it. Next thing you know, uh, now it's been, uh, that was, I took Incubator 2001. So what are we in now? So 21 years later, 22, 22 years later, yeah. uh, here I sit as president of the company. Now I never amazing. envisioned that happening <laughs> when I was sitting in that class. I never thought that one day, uh, so it's amazing what happens. Uh, but I love it. Loved every step of the way. You're doing a great job. Thank you. Yes. I love the innovation that's happening. You know, so from the curly hair industry, we host some educational events and I've heard, um, and that's also like a whole nother, you know, topic that, you know, some salons don't support a stylist doing curly hair in the way that they need to be supported or that their clientele grows so much and they feel that they could make more money by going out on their own. And so some of the things that we would hear is, well, the greedy, the greedy owner or the greedy landlord. And I would sit quietly and hear that. And then you know, and it was my turn to speak because I did some presentation and I said, by the way, the owners weren't greedy. They were broke and they just didn't know how to tell you because one of the concepts that you all talk about is open book management, that your, your team knows the numbers. They know the financial health of the company. And, you know, when that's hidden, people think you're hauling it off to a Swiss bank account. And so I love that the whole open book concept really provides more buy-in 
And, uh, and so you talk, do you want to talk about a little bit about what we would like to do together with strategies? Um, so yeah, what we are talking about is, you know, strategies this past, uh, year, uh, is starting to do something that we call the crosswalk. And what crosswalk is, it's a, uh, a fusion, a blend of, we'll say some business education and technical hands-on training. And so what we're doing is in, in different outlets, we are looking for great technical education to go along with the time where we can do business education. So what, uh, the, what you and I are going to do together is exactly that. We're going to be doing some great, um, some great technical education from the natural uh, texture from, from the curly hair side. And with that, then we're going to be also bringing in the key things that are important from a business side. What do we really look at is when someone goes to technical education, what are they looking to do? They're looking to improve their skills and create a better client experience. And so with that comes two or three other things that are more business related that also then help people to grow and help businesses to grow. And so our end, we're going to be primarily talking about uh, client retention and creating a great client experience so people return. It's the lifeblood of everyone's business. We're going to be talking about retail. And again, the importance uh, of that. And again, we can also start addressing some of the things that get in the way because a lot of people know retail is important, but they still struggle with it. We're going to break down some of those barriers, give you some things you can do there. And also how important the idea of pre-booking is uh, for the growth of a company as well. So we're going to be taking kind of the business end that's all really important to the overall client experience and combining that with the technical end uh, with training. So we're really excited about it. Yes. And, and today we were uh, saying that we should change the word retail to home care because none of us want to be salespeople. We really want to send people home with things that are part of their self-care routine that give them joy and that work and that are ultimately good for them and how better enables them to show up in, a, in their higher vibration, as we like to say. And I really also appreciate because it is what you were saying that kind of that you know softer side of business with the with the brain part and what you're really saying you know I'm gonna throw this at you is the yin and yang right the yin is the more feminine soft qualities the culture the connection and the yang is you know the the measurement the systems the the drive that moves things forward and i'm so glad that you're doing that because again something that came out of the pandemic is really balancing the two and how important they both are and it's a perfect blend what we're doing with crosswalks because for curly hair for example you teach a lot around consultation and the happiness system but the consultation piece with natural hair is huge yes because today we were talking about there's trauma with it there's a whole history and a story behind it and uh getting really clear with consultations is the key to setting up a positive experience for the client and so it's going to be super, super powerful. And we're really, really excited about this uh, partnership. Yes. So it's really great that we have systems in place where, you, you know, because 
nurturing and creating these cultures where people feel safe to be vulnerable is not a measurable. <laughs> you can't measure that. I, I feel like we're doing pretty good, right? And so one of the concepts that you were you know, sharing with the team today about how we drive numbers forward. Right. So it's always fascinating, you know, when you think about numbers, and I think this is what makes, you know, even part of the crosswalk and the things we're going to do so powerful is the fact that, you know, numbers are just a result of, they're just outcomes of actions and behavior, right? That's all a number is. So we can tend to get really fixated on a number, but the real thing that drives it, and that's what we spent the time doing today, is really examining what are the actions and the behaviors that really go into producing that outcome. Now, again, you can get even more broken down into the, if you want to talk about the exact systems and the actions and things like that, all that has a place. But just always remember that, you know, that's exactly right. It's, it's, and that's what I love about what we're doing is the idea is, Yes, we need to know the number portion. Very important. Got to know that. Got to have a measurement uh, of some sort. Got to know if we're hitting our goal or not. Because why set a goal? A goal is based upon uh, I'm looking to get somewhere. You know, it's no different than for all of us. We can all relate to the idea that probably at some point or another, we've had the goal for weight loss, right? And so we've set a goal for ourselves. Well, if you never stepped on the scale, if you never did anything that measured that goal after it, it's it becomes a wasted goal. But... It wasn't just stepping on the scale every day that got you the goal. It was the action and the behavior that you did behind it that helped you to see whether you attained your goal or not. Exactly. And for, for us, too, and, you know, this is, again, a conversation that comes up with uh, coaches is the why behind it. When we're trying to, you know, get one of the team members to buy into a system or to you know, do a consultation or a certain way, or especially with curly hair, there's so much sensitivity. I mean, you, you can see like just what we were talking about, the crown act and how, when you owned a salon, it wasn't even part of the conversation. So these people who are coming here are scared, right? <laughs> you know, they're putting out a hand to, to build some trust. And so when we can, you know, have the team understand why we're doing and really bind to the purpose behind that, that's when we see our numbers grow. And that's when we, you know, because systems aren't a natural thing, especially for hairdressers. We're creative types. Don't right. give me systems. Right. I, I want to feel a certain way. Yeah, that doesn't really get you the outcomes that you want. And so having the systems really do set you free. It makes sure that you're consistent in your level of service. And gives you the platform to be more creative and coming from a place of knowledge than a place of, of ignorance. So it's, it's um, super important. So we really value this partnership and we're looking forward to all that lies ahead. Yes. So, Michael, the last time you were down here, you were a coach for uh, the company and you were just en route. I think you were just offered the position to be a uh, head of educators, yeah, director of education, director right? of education. Right. And then here you are president. Yeah. It's been, it's been a crazy ride. Uh, you know, like I shared, you know, from an incubator attendee as you once were, 
uh, to then becoming a coach for the company to then moving into and at the same time still owning my own company to then I elected to sell my business and then uh, go, you know, full time, then like I said, director of education and now into, uh, you know, into the role as president, you know, it's been, a, it's been a crazy ride. I guess my question is, as I think back, because it's kind of fun to, to hearken back, um, where did our paths first cross when it came to, from a strategies relationship? Because uh, we were kind of almost on the same timeline. You said 2004. Mine, yeah. you know, my incubator is 2001. Yeah. So I was just at that point, just, they just introduced the idea of becoming a coach. I think it wasn't until uh, like maybe it was 04, maybe 05 when I kind of completed my initial training mm -hmm. from a coaching standpoint. So kind of on the same trajectory in a lot of ways, but I can't remember if paths first crossed really. Well, I, I, I'm sure that we both attended various uh classes and seminars at at you know the capital of the business world in right. at in, the time in Connecticut. Centerbrook, Connecticut. Centerbrook. And now you guys are located where? Uh Old Lyme. Old the Lyme. The new business capital oh, yes, of the world. Yes. Brand it new is. facility. We love it. Indeed. Uh but I believe they started the first team-based business conference in 2013, was it? Yes. Something like that. And that's, I, I've been to every single one. I have never missed a conference. And I am thinking that's where we first crossed paths. Were you at that conference? I think so. So I wasn't at the very first one, but the second one on. Mm. So I think that's exactly, I think that's exactly it. Cause that timeline also falls right in line with the, uh, what you mentioned about when I first, uh, the, uh, when I was here prior for an onsite and I just was moving into that role. Yeah. That whole timeline. So yeah, it was right around that, uh, exactly then that, uh, we would have had our first paths crossing with each other. Yes. And then I, I think that I kept seeing you at seminars and, right. and, yep. the, and the great, greatest business capital of the exactly. world. Exactly. <laughs> That's exactly it. Yeah, and then here you are today doing an onsite with the team, and we're we're uh, building this collaboration together. Yeah. No, you're president, and you know I'm a curly educator, and this is what a wonderful opportunity to, because you know curly hair is really also about about elevating the vibration. I mean, what we're really doing is elevating the standard of the industry, and it's high time. It's such an archaic business model, right? And it is time to grow and change and raise that vibration. Exactly. Agreed. Michael, thank you so much for being with us today. I really appreciate you taking the time to be here and looking forward to more. Uh, listen, my pleasure. Happy to connect anytime you want. You guys heard that. <laughs> thank you. If you want to learn more about the team-based business model and more about Michael, check out strategies.com. Also check out their podcast, Beauty Business Strategies Podcast, and gain more wisdom about business. The Curl Code is brought to you from the Oasis Curl Salon in Rockville, Maryland, hosted by the one and only Wafea Abdullah. This episode was produced and recorded by me, Hannah Gaber, and edited by Tatiana Zamis. If you like the show, please leave us a five-star rating. And if you've got some nice things to say, go ahead and leave us a review. But most importantly, please share the show with anyone you think would enjoy it. Learn more about Curly Oasis at www.curlyoasis.com and continue your curl education journey by finding them on Instagram and YouTube. 
The Curl Code is a Say More production.